Hey everybody, welcome back to Writers in the World. On the show today is interviews with authors. We'll get to my conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Scoblo in a second, but first a quick congratulations to the recent graduates of Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. This past Friday and Saturday, SIUE gained nearly 1,200 new alumni. Ceremonies were streamed and are still available for viewing online. Good luck to all as they move on to the next step. And now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Writers in the World. On the show again today is Interview with Authors, and my guest is Jeffrey Scoblo. Dr. Scoblo teaches writing and literature, and his three books are Paradise Dislocated, Morris Politics Art, Double Tongue, Scott's Burns Contradiction, and In a Trance on Paleo Art. Professor, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Brent. Good to be here. Excellent. So, um, I want to talk a little bit more uh, just about your role as a teacher, um, specifically here at SIUE or elsewhere, um, anywhere else that you've taught, you could bring that, bring that into this uh, response to this question. But as you think about your time spent teaching and writing, um, what comes to mind first, maybe, or what, what fond memories do you have? Um, and I guess if you're thinking specifically about our school here, SIUE, what made this place a unique environment to teach in or? grow in as a writer and, and as an artist? Sure. Um, well, uh, I've taught here for 32 years. I got here in 1987. Uh, so uh, this has been, uh, you know, the main part of my career. Uh, so I don't have a, a lot to compare it to directly. Uh, I taught for six years at UCLA in the writing programs there, teaching mostly freshman writing classes um, for six years, uh, and so that was my main earlier experience, and that was just writing. Um, so one of the things that, you know, changed for me in a big way was teaching uh, literature when I came here to SIU, um, and I continue teaching writing every semester, pretty much, for all these years. Uh, it's, it's been a wonderful place, um, it was, um, you know, not so wonderful at first. It was a more tired kind of institution and department. Um, not a lot of uh, uh, energy, uh, pretty kind of stuck-in-the-mud old curriculum. Um, uh, anyway, it was a different time and place. Uh, but, uh, you know, within a few years and some new faculty joining the department, uh, and renovations in the, in the curriculum and in the approach and attitude and everything. Uh, to me, it's been a lively and, and really wonderful place to, to teach. Yeah, I mean, 32 years, you said, from 1987 till, yeah. till now, right? You are, you're currently teaching a, a course this term. Yeah, I actually retired like a, a, just over a year ago, uh, June of last year, um, and was off for a year, came back to teach one class, a uh, version of a British Lit survey class, um, uh, which I'm finishing up this week, and, um, and, and, then I, and then I believe I'm done. Yeah. Well, that's quite exciting. And yeah, uh, congratulations in advance on a, on Thank a you. Yeah, very successful career, and you've been a part of a huge 
you know, changed on campus, it sounds like. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, going back to that, that British Lit survey class that you're teaching, I know that you've taught a wide array of classes, specifically literature classes, um, from British literature to contemporary Latin American literature. And I'm kind of curious, uh, just because sometimes in, in the field, you'll get professors that sort of specialize in a genre or time or right. um, a place even, right? And so I'm wondering why the variety in, in the subjects taught uh, different sort of literature courses. And then did, did being on that spectrum present any challenges to you as an educator? Or was it something that you saw more of as an advantage? Well, um, it's what I wanted to do, um, and it uh, wasn't really a very kind of principled uh, decision, uh, more just like following my notes, you know. So, you know, I know lots of colleagues and friends who have been more uh, kind of specialized or more focused. Um, uh, you know, I have a friend in another school, he retired a couple of years ago after teaching Shakespeare, nothing but Shakespeare for, you know, 30 years. Uh, and I see the joy and beauty in that. Um, and sometimes I wonder, gee, yeah, that would, what would that have felt like um, for me? Uh, but it has just not been my inclination. So, um, you know, I've kind of just been led from one thing to another in a pretty... Um, I don't know, improvisational way. Um, I, you know, I wrote a dissertation on William Morris, a Victorian uh, poet, um, writer, um, and uh, that was unexpected to me. That was like the last thing I expected when I entered graduate school. Um, it was like the, the kind of literature I was least interested in. And, and then, that's a whole other long story, I became interested. And, uh, so that occupied me for uh, a good long time, a dissertation, and then the first book that you mentioned, uh, Paradise Dislocated, uh, came out of that. Um, and uh, then, you know, when that book was done, I was, um, I mean, this was a slightly more deliberate moment. Uh, you know, Morris was somebody who was very uh, popular and highly regarded, famous in his day. And then, because of changes in literary taste, he sort of fell off the chart completely. Um, and that came to interest me, that uh, writers who were, who were big and, and are now forgotten. So uh, that led me to um, Robert Burns, uh, who's, you know, like a hundred years earlier than Morris, uh, late 18th century Scottish poet, songwriter. Um, and because uh, he too was somebody who was like a major figure, uh, famous, uh, and in some ways in Scotland certainly remains so, and uh, is, is known more than Morris was, uh, but has also, you know, you don't read him in school anymore, if, you know, if you're not uh, Scottish, uh, your chances are very slim of uh, coming across his work. Um, so that interested me. So, so that kind of stretched my, my so-called field, sure. right, uh, back to the 18th century. 
Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I read other things. I got interested in, in Spanish language literature. I had a grant to uh, teach American literature in Spain, so American literature wasn't my thing, but uh, teaching was. So I went and did that, and that I was already familiar with some Latin American writers that I liked a lot, uh, found interesting, but the kind of close engagement with Spanish language uh, and the ability then to you know, read in Spanish, that really turned my attention in a big way towards Latin American literature. Uh, and meanwhile, I had gotten involved in local community theater when we moved here, which was something that came out of the blue. Uh, it was not uh, something I was looking for, but it happened. And, um, and so that got me interested in drama. So I taught a drama class here for, uh, for years and years. Um, so anyway, I guess, uh, you know, what I'm getting at is that um, there was no plan. Uh, it was one thing leading me here and then something else there. And I found that stimulating and right. fun and interesting. Yeah, I mean, you had to ha have a degree of just you know, feeling open and being open to these opportunities as they sort of presented themselves. But then also, like you said, just genuinely listening to yourself. You know, I'm interested in this. Therefore, I'm going to, you know, pursue that interest a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. So, you know, you asked about challenges, too. I mean, um, you know, uh, challenges or, or, you know, what would be a, a better word in a way? stimulations or excitements, you know, sort of getting to, you know, turning to Scottish literature. I knew nothing about Scottish literature, but I immersed for, I mean, really, it was about 12 years from the time I started reading Burns, seriously, to the book. Um, so that was a, you know, decade of, of immersion in something, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's just exciting. Uh, it also ties in, I realized, just talking about this that uh, you know teaching here you know facilitates all that too or has for me that you know teaching mostly undergraduate classes um, you know sort of super specialized knowledge is rich and wonderful and useful but not necessarily the most fundamental thing mm. if you're teaching people how to read and think about literature. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of just kind of generalist, you know, fundamental uh, levels of work that, um, you know, that this kind of, uh, you know, reading all over the map, you know, fit in with nicely, you know. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I, I'm not exactly sure if this is what you're saying there, but just the idea that sometimes teaching or course offering, you know, that's that might be to meet, you know, a need of a specific school or a need of a population of students. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that's what you were saying, but well, not exactly. I mean, what I mean is just, you know, if I was teaching, for instance, in a PhD program, mm -hmm. uh, and I was teaching Scottish literature, um, for instance, or Victorian literature through William Morris, um, you know, there's a, a, a further level of uh, kind of deep research knowledge that that comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, 
to teach that same material to people uh, with uh, less of an investment, maybe as That's undergraduates or, or not, um, uh, or with just uh, you know, less experience, um, there's, there's only so much you can do at first, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, there's a different kind of focus and uh, easier to teach things that I was seeing for the first time even, right, uh, in that kind of context. Uh, it seems that way to me. So, Professor, uh, I'd like to shift the focus of the conversation now to talk a little bit more about your writing specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you write across genres and forms, and that, that's something that's always fascinating to me, to just talk to writers about who work in these different you know, mediums. Uh, so maybe we can just start there. Uh, what challenges or opportunities arise for you um, as, a, as a writer when you sort of shift from one project to another? Maybe if maybe you don't have multiple projects going on at once, but I'm, I'm just interested in that. Maybe when you finish one that's in... Uh, one genre or form, and then you begin another, or if you're working on two at once, sort of that that mm -hmm. that cross sort of you know genre. What's what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, it's sort of like what we were talking about before uh, with regard to you know areas of teaching. Um, it's not so much a plan as um, you know following my nose. So um, I've been thinking a lot about. Um, uh, something an old teacher uh, of mine said um, about writing. Somebody, we were talking about, you know, what somebody might want to write or something. And, and he said, um, you know, you don't write what you want. You write what you can. Um, so that, there's a lot of truth in that for me in my experience as a writer. Um, I'm thinking about it a lot these days because uh, because I'm essentially retired and wondering what I want to write. I you know what form writing might take now in this new moment. Um, and what I have mostly found so far is that um, it, that I'm not in charge of that, uh, which I guess I already knew in some way. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I spent, uh, like I was saying before, 10 years or so, 12 years working on Liam Morris, a dissertation in a book, um, and that was like the center of my writing life. And then for another 12 years, I realized, thinking about this earlier, the Burns book was also from starting to finish, like a 12-year process. So when I had, you know, summers or vacation time or mental space to pay attention to my writing, that was the main place it went. Um, meanwhile, um, you know, I had other writing impulses, so, uh, you know, I, in those years I would write poems also um, because I could sort of generate material and work on it in, in shorter bursts. Um, and when I was, you know, cultivating my Spanish, I started writing poetry in Spanish. That was very helpful to me, with even with a very limited vocabulary. Um, and again, something I could do on the side, so to speak. 
And then occasionally a short story would emerge. Uh, uh, you know, again, not like, oh, let me write a short story. It was just like some voice or opening or situation or something would occur to me and, and, and it would move beyond a note into, oh, it's actually a story. Um, so through all those years, um, that's kind of where that kind of diversity came from. Um, so again, not a particular challenge, just like, um, you know, impulses yeah. that, that, you know, came to fruition. Um, the, the, the cave book, uh, in a trance book, uh, which came after when I was done. I mean, this is a, this is a deliberate element, actually. Um, when I was finishing the Scottish book, um, so that had been you know twenty four years or so of like scholarly work between those two books, and you know super rewarding and interesting, valuable work to me. Uh, but I was feeling towards the end of that that I wanted to write something with a little bit more emotional range than a scholarly uh, discourse really allows. Um, so, so maybe that's when some, I can't quite remember really, some short stories came a little more so then. Uh, and I started working on this uh, cave book about cave paintings. Um, you know, I had seen them uh, uh, on a visit to uh, France and they blew my mind. I had been aware of them, but had never seen them in, in real life. Um, and I, I started reading everything I could about them um, and, and started wondering how I could write something about them, those paintings and those caves and my experience, the feeling that it invoked and that filled me in, in big ways. Um, so again, this was a process of some years of taking notes and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted yeah. to, not just what I wanted to say, but like what form I wanted mm -hmm. to say it in. You know, is this a story? Is this an essay? Is this a poem? I don't know what this is. So I just kept taking notes and notes and notes for, uh, um, and again, uh, about 10 years, I mean, uh, something like that. Uh, you know, I started writing and I wrote like a page and a half of an opening of that book, uh, and then and then nothing for several years, and then, and then suddenly saw a way, as I continued reading and thinking, to push it forward, and I, I wrote like uh, about 10 pages, and then, and then it stopped. It's like, how do I go forward? I don't know what comes now. Um, and I continued reading everything I could about these prehistoric caves and taking notes and, and, and then, the, you know, in, in bits like that, the thing tumbled out. You know? um, so it's just been that kind of process of uh, feeling my way to form and genre and the pieces that I've produced. Yeah, and also just, I mean, I hear some of these... Uh, Time, time totals, you know, 10 years, 12 years, and, yeah. and sort of just, I don't know, I think some writers, maybe it's, it's younger writers or just a type of writer, but I, I wonder if some writers 
uh, just get impatient or maybe would uh, shelf something and maybe not come back to it time and time again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm curious about that. I mean, any just is it again just as just a matter of following impulse, like you said, um, or is it? Do you have? I, I'm not sure. I mean, you you brought you brought up the point too about figuring, trying to determine what exactly you have on your hands here. Is it a poem or is it a story? And I'm just thinking, you have all. You, to me, as a writer, it sounds like you potentially have a few things going on at once, and where some writers might feel, you know, not bogged down by that, but that's just another added challenge. You mm-hmm. sort of work differently. It sounds like you, like you said, maybe you had a little poetry going on while you still, you know, were working on the, the research uh, mm-hmm. piece. So, I don't know. I'm not even sure if I articulated a question there exactly, but, um, yeah, I'm just, I guess that amount of time, you know. Right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I sometimes or often wish I was a different kind of writer. Uh, it, you know, it frustrates me. I mean, writing is clearly important to me. Um, I've never not been doing it. Um, but it's often been, I, I've often felt like, oh, I just wish it, things didn't take me so long. I wish um, I, I had a clearer sense of focus. I wish I had a more... Uh, rigorous kind of daily practice or, or, or whatever. Um, I've, I've been very, um, oh, I don't know. I've just been the kind of writer that I, that it seems like I can be. So, uh, you know, and I feel, you know, pleasures and powers in that also. Um, you know, I think it is, uh, worth knowing that things don't have to get produced, uh, that, that, that a thing can take 10 years yeah. of steady work or not steady work, of intermittent stewing and steeping and you know, cooking in the head. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, right. you know? And in some way, I mean, part of what, I, what appeals to me about it is, but again, I kind of struggle against this and it frustrates me, but it, it also feels like a kind of freedom to me that um, I I am not kind of chained to uh, finishing things right <laughs> or a schedule or or wrapping it up. I mean, it's enormously satisfying to bring something to completion. Uh, and and that cave book, uh, I'm 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 so thankful that I managed that. Um, and, and all the other things, too. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate the uh, kind of openness of the process. One more quick follow-up, just, just along this, and we can get on to the next question. But um, have you ever followed impulse or instinct, and, it, and, and at some point you realized this was the wrong instinct or impulse. Are, are you always still thinking about returning to a project that you've maybe put a pause on or, or put the brakes on? Yeah, I mean, I certainly, it, it's helpful to me to have bits of things. I mean, right now, uh, again, like since, uh, since my retirement, I've, I've, I've sort of generated uh, more than usual number of like, oh, possible things to return to. Um, and... Um, 
you know, some of them I've worked through for a while, others are little bare sketches. Um, so, uh, so there's, there's some more of those now, and that's helpful to me, I find that, rather than sitting down to, from scratch, you know. Um, you know, s some things don't go anywhere. Uh, some things, I mean, the kind of, uh, the main story along these lines in my head is a, it was a, it was a scholarly uh, example of uh, following a certain impulse. Um, this was writing uh, the, Burns book, the Scottish book, Beetle Tongue. Um, I had a sabbatical one semester. I wrote 130 pages of a, of a, a long chapter that didn't even end. I, I realized at some point I had taken a wrong turn. I didn't know where that was. Uh, I sent it to uh, my, you know, one of my teachers from graduate school who is still a kind of mentor to me. And he sent it back to me after a while. Uh, he, he wrote on the top of the front page, um, I stopped reading on page 37. And then he sent me a very brief letter uh, that very quickly and sharply indicated, you know, what was fundamentally wrong with the, the impulse I followed. And the letter ended, uh, I love you, I can't let you go on like this, turn back. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, uh, not uh, thrilled to receive, uh, you know, that kind of judgment on the thing, but I knew it was true. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I scrapped it, and I started from scratch uh, on that book, on the writing, and, um, and produced a book that I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I wrote. So, so, again, that was a kind of dead end, but, a, uh, you know, a dead end that led to where I needed mm -hmm. to go. Oh, that's beautiful. And it, it sounds like, um, yeah, maybe having a mentor or a trusted reader, obviously, is important to yeah. figuring out yeah, yeah, yeah. those yeah. impulses. Okay, Professor. So we've been talking a lot about your body of work, and it seems pretty clear that uh, research and, you know, scholarly articles and just a ton of effort had to go into producing the three books mentioned at the start of the show. And so you mentioned a teaching in Spain, going to France, you know, travel and, and research seems to be really sort of crucial or really important to your writing process and your work. So can you speak a little bit uh, to that, um, the importance of research and history? Does it affect your goals as a writer? And when or how do you decide that your research represents a story that needs to be told, or at least one you want to investigate a little further? Um, yeah, good question. Um, you know, scholarly work requires research. Um, so it's maybe a little bit different uh, in that context. Um, you know, I was, you know, I wrote a dissertation, I mean, that's where it starts, I suppose, and so obviously, uh, you know, I was interested in something about William Morris. I read everything I could of his and, and started focusing on certain aspects of his work and then reading everything I could that had ever been written about that um, uh, and other related writers of his time and so on. Uh, and so there's a long buildup of, like, you know, filling notebooks uh, before 
the first sentence gets written, right? Um, and then again, same thing with uh, the Scottish project. Uh, you know, I read um, some Burns. Uh, actually, I asked the same mentor uh, who I mentioned just a minute ago. Um, uh, as I was finishing up the work on Morris, I said, I'm really interested in these writers that were, you know, prominent and, and now forgotten. Um, and he suggested uh, that I look at Burns, who I, you know, knew a few poems of and never really thought much about him. Uh, and I started reading him, and I, and I was like, uh, I, wow, I had no idea what one could possibly say about these pieces, these little songs and poems. Uh, and that really interests me also, uh, kind of subjects. I realized this kind of further down the line that um, all of these projects, actually, Morris and Burns and the cave paintings are subjects that initially struck me as like impossible to talk about in some way. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I have no idea what you would say. So that interests me. So then I started reading Burns and other Scottish poets and Scottish history and Scottish culture and, and so on, and taking notes for like several years again before even the first sentence is written. Um, with the cave book, um, you know, I kept trying to start it some of the earliest things I wrote were like I imagined to be a possible first paragraph, but they were not. I didn't know enough. I didn't understand my own project enough. So I just kept reading and taking notes and trying to start again and again. Uh, and then finally, when I when things kind of fell into place for me, I I had built up a whole bunch of material that you know I hadn't quite intended to. Um, and, um, and that, you know, for the short stories that I would write periodically throughout all those years, uh, the similar thing, there'd be like a start and some material, I don't know if one thinks of this as research really, but, uh, but I guess I do, um, you know, sort of false starts and, uh, sketches and notes that, uh, don't go anywhere and then, when I come back to them after some lapse in time, uh, they they feel like research material, and I, I sort of use them sometimes in the stories even as, oh, this is like a quotation from somewhere else. It feels that way to me. So the line is pretty blurry for me, ultimately, I guess, between uh, kind of research and, and, and so-called creative writing um, in terms of like the use of materials that have been gathered yeah. for purpose that might not be clear at first. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. I mean, hearing you describe those two different projects, how one of them you you were sort of more eager to get going on, and then the other, it seemed like you, you built up, built up, built up, and sort yeah. of the top kind of came off. Yeah, and, right. Um, I, yeah, I can relate to that just in terms of some of the my own projects that I have going on, um, but I think uh, the line for me that gets tough, that gets tough to sort of toe sometimes... Um, and this is coming from a fiction point of view, short story point mm -hmm. of view, sometimes the research can uh, take the writing in a different direction in terms of... It. Sure. And, and maybe not always uh, in the best direction, uh, for, for me at least. Like I, There'll be a section maybe of a story that, that almost sounds research heavy, you mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. so I wonder how you balance uh, that as, as you start to actually get to you know, the point to where you're actually writing 
the book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, for the fiction that I've written, I haven't really done the kind of research that you're talking about, like, oh, um, a story is set in a certain time and place, so I want to get some information about that time and place, mm -hmm. for instance. Right. Um, or any subject matter, a story that deals with whatever, you know, religious warfare. Uh, so I want to go and do some research on that. Um, I mean, I mentioned that example because one of the stories that I wrote does include some uh, kind of religious sectarian warfare in a small Missouri town, mm -hmm. but I didn't do any research on that uh, per se. Um, so, so really the way, you know, what I'm calling research, uh, maybe in, in fictional terms, wouldn't necessarily be considered sure. research technically. It's not like background information. It's more like uh, I generate material that is that that's messy and, and unfocused mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and reminders or false starts or attempts to sketch something out and then I don't know what to do with it and then I leave it and then I come back to it and it, then it feels like research material. It's like oh this somebody me like has gathered this material that now I can reshape and use. So in a way it's almost like a kind of metaphor yeah. of how the research works in, in like scholarly work. Sure. Like there's a gathering of material and then and then a consideration of it. Yeah. A lot of synthesis and yeah, a lot right. of uh, I mean I just a lot of questions are popping into my head when when we're talking about this, I'm thinking of uh, your organizational skills, even things like that. How do you categorize your findings or your are these bits and scraps? I, I wonder if you're working, you know, are you writing this out longhand, long form, or are you are you all electronically, you know, keeping notes? Um, maybe that's not a great question, but just for me as a writer, I'm sure. genuinely interested in that. Yeah, I mean, the you know the it, it's all longhand. I mean, at certain points, you know, when I get going well enough or when I get stuck, I will put things into, you know, word, form, document, you know, on a computer. Uh, but note gathering all of this kind of research and gathering of materials, uh, that's all longhand. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's just the generation I come from, really. So I read and reread that stuff, uh, you know, over and over again. And, and then I, you know, organize it somewhat. I mean, I might, whatever, put a certain asterisk or, or number or symbol or something next to various bits spread out across maybe two different notebooks full of false starts and sketches and so on. Um, so I, I'm kind of constantly doing a, a, a kind of running inventory of what is there, uh, some of which could have been, you know, from years ago. So, uh, you know, it's like, oh, right, I forgot about that. Right. So... Yeah. Now I do have a, another question, mm -hmm. um, and maybe it, it might be one that's more obviously applied to your poetry or short stories, but it has to do deal with point of view, um, and I I don't know I often think that that's a, a craft element that people associate with with maybe fiction or or poetry thinking of the speaker. Um, and so I wonder, uh, what about point of view interests, interests you, uh, interests a writer like you, who seems to be working, you know, like, like we've already discussed, just in many forms. Um, 
And in your poetry or other writings, what questions engage your process in thinking around point of view? I seem to be drawn to forms of writing that are uh, somewhat, um, you know, uh, hybrid in terms of genre. Uh, again, sometimes I wish I, I was not, but that seems to be where I go. So, so questions of point of view are interesting to me, even, even when it comes to um, like scholarly work. still a voice there. It's part of the problem with scholarly work, I think, sometimes, is that that's not uh, embraced uh, or, or even recognized. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the Burns book in particular was uh, a matter of voice more than anything. That false start of 130 pages was like the wrong voice. Um, so uh, almost everything I've written really since that scholarly work, I mean, the cave book and, uh, uh, and the short stories, uh, some of which have kind of essay elements or a little bit on a blurry line, um, uh, almost everything has, has been, um, you know, not entirely fixed in a genre. Um, and... Uh, so, you know, when I was writing the Kate book, for instance, um, I, uh, one of my principles uh, in writing it was, like, everything must be true. Everything must be true. Um, I wasn't exactly wanting to write an essay about the caves, like, because the word essay suggested a, a certain set of assumptions about the form of the thing. I wanted to be freer in, in the voice and language because I just sensed that I, well, I didn't know quite what I was trying to produce, right? Um, uh, so, so I had that principle that everything uh, had to be like factual and true to the extent I could uh, determine it. But there was something in the form of the book as it developed that, I um, mean, the way I came to say it was, uh, you know, people say, well, what is it? Is it like an essay? And I say, well, it's, a, it's an essay by a fictional person. So, I, I don't I mean, that, I don't even know if that makes sense exactly, but it, it, it was the best way I could hold it, that it wasn't, ex, it wasn't exactly me, but, um, you know, because the voice in the book, for instance, only cares about the caves and the paintings in the caves. And uh, I care about them a lot, but I care about a lot of other things, too. So... So it was not exactly my experience of the caves, right? It was a more kind of intense and obsessive essay voice that verges more on a kind of fictional narrator who, who was taking you through an experience uh, in a way that my personal self could not exactly, right? Mm. So, so that's point of view in an, in an essay, right? Um, and, uh, and then also that, that felt, that just felt true to me, that mm -hmm. of course, um, there are points of view there too, we're not kind of trained or accustomed to look for them, mm -hmm. and so they, they sneak in on us maybe, yeah. uh, but, uh, but that's an important thing to think about. Yeah, no, and, and you mentioned something too that I kind of wanted to follow up on in, and just speaking about voice and, you know, that language on the page and how maybe for certain scholarly articles or um, 
containers or publications, voice isn't something that's maybe part of the discussion. Right. And I wonder, do you think that's going to, do you think that'll change? Well, I think it has somewhat. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen more and more, um, you know, scholarly academic material that has been, you know, sort of pushing against the confines of uh, whatever is taken to be kind of standard, acceptable, normative academic discourse. So maybe more personal or, or, or more, you know, formally various or, or so on. You know, a lot of the material, the cave book in a trance, published by Punctum Books, which was a, a you know small uh, independent publishing enterprise, uh, very adventurous, and and a lot of material that they produce that I've seen through 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 that venue um, shows these efforts. So you know, so I'm not alone in this and feeling a little bit constrained, maybe by uh, certain kind of traditional assumptions or expectations. You know, for me, it came up with the Robert Burns book because, you know, Burns, he wrote Scots poetry in a, in a sort of English language context. So Scots was a, a kind of uh, other language. Uh, and it was his experience as a, you know, poor farmer in Scotland, you know, was, um, was a kind of outsider art in some way. So to, to write about that in a, a kind of staid and, and buttoned up, academic style felt false to me, right? Yeah. So that was part of, you know, what my my mentor's kind of signpost was for me, you know, that yeah. it's like, no, you know, th this is this is not true to the voice, you know, the, the voice has to somehow catch what Burns was, and you can't, like, put a tuxedo on him, you know, in your writing style, you have to, but at the same time, it's an academic book, or an academic publisher, so it's got to address some of those norms and forms and at the same time edge against them. So again, that's another kind of squishy genre right. blurring question that, that interests me and that seems important to me. Yeah, and that, I mean, that just makes me sort of appreciate that type of work too because it's sort of in the business of shifting yeah. maybe the norms yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. around it. And no, I think that's, it's just an interesting conversation I think. All right, before Dr. Scoblo goes, I just wanted to ask him if he had any sort of good news or anything he'd like to share with our listeners today, and I believe he does have something for us, so, Professor? Yeah, well, the, the thing that comes to mind is uh, a book of short stories. We've talked about uh, some of the fiction I've written over the past years, and I, I self-published self uh, a collection uh, called Attendance, Stories About Teaching. Um, uh, I did it through, um, uh, it was called Create Space at the time. Uh, my uh, dear friend and colleague Val Vogren uh, designed it and, and led me through that process. Uh, so that book is also available uh, on Amazon's collection of um, eight stories uh, that I wrote about teaching over uh, about the 20-year period, I suppose. Well, that sounds really interesting. Very good. And those are short, you said collection of short stories, right? Collection of short stories, yeah. Some are, are you know, whatever, you know, eight, eight to ten pages. Uh, some of them are a little bit longer. Um, some of them are somewhat, uh, I mean, realistic. Uh, 
and uh, in, in a specific world that we recognize, some of them are uh, a little bit bent uh, uh, from that world. That seems pretty appropriate. So, attendance uh, available on Amazon. Right? Yep. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Grant. Really appreciate it. Hey again, everyone. Thanks for listening. And make sure to tune in next week to Writers in the World. Dr. Joshua Crea will join me for Lessons from Faculty. We'll talk about his unique journey through graduate school, life at SIUE, and being an artist from St. Louis.